Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby. We are thankful that you have joined us today. This is a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. And you can reach us at our website, www.nkofcoc.com. And now that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Litmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ and looking very much forward to talking to you today. I'm Jacob Taylor, an evangelist. I'm Ross Oldenkamp, an evangelist. All three of us work together with the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. Today, we are going to talk a little bit about the beginning of the Galilean ministry, which was, interestingly enough, the major portion of Jesus' time in his public ministry was spent in the region of Galilee. And we're going to see him actually go to Galilee as he begins this particular major portion of his ministry. Jacob, we're over in Matthew chapter 4. Let's look at verses 12 on down through verse 17. Now when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of, of Zebulun and Naphtali. This happens that what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet would be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, on the other side of the Jordan, Galilee of Gentiles, the people were sitting in darkness and saw a great light, and those who were sitting in the land in shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. From that time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All right, so that section started with John being put in prison. We learn more about the background to that in Matthew chapter 14, where it says that Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison. And the reason for this concerned the matter of him taking Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. And John had been saying that it is not lawful for you to have uh, your brother Philip's wife. You know, that was really a, a mixed up situation where we've got Herod with his brother's wife. And we might ask ourselves, who was this Herod? Well, I looked him up in the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. And it tells us that Herod Antipas was the son of Herod the Great and Maltese, a Samaritan woman. Half Idumean, half Samaritan, Galilee of the Gentiles seemed a fit dominion for such a prince. He was, or he ruled as Tetrarch of Galilee and Perea from 4 BC to 39 AD. The gospel picture we have of him is far from prepossessing. He is superstitious fox-like and is cunning and wholly immoral. John the Baptist was brought into his life through an open rebuke of his gross immorality and the defiance of the laws of Moses. That's who Herod was. Herodias, on the other hand, was the daughter of Aristopolis, who was the son of Herod the Great by Miriam. Herod Antipas was the son of Herod the Great by Maltus. Herod Antipas was thus the stepbrother of Aristopolis, father of Herodias, and it just gets more and more confusing as you go along, but it indicates the incestuous nature of this, this 
relationship that he was in. And no wonder John rebuked him so clearly and so forcefully. Yeah, I don't know about you, but uh, Herod doesn't sound like the kind of guy that I'm going to enjoy confronting. Uh, a powerful man who also obviously lacks character, and uh, yet John very, very boldly confronts him about this issue. Uh, you know, he really was just like Elijah in spirit there. Because do you remember that Elijah, who did he go up against but King Ahab? I mean, they, these two were just one and the same. They, they didn't seem to have any respect for, for the person. Yeah, John was just going to stand for truth and stand for what was right, regardless of who the opposition was, much like, certainly I, I love the allusion back to Elijah, who he was uh, prophesied to, to be like. Um, it is, is certainly just an, an awesome thing, an example to stand for truth, regardless of um, circumstances that may find or that it may put us in, like for John, by him saying this, putting him into custody, but just understanding what truth is and not backing down from it. After hearing of John's arrest, Jesus left Judea for Galilee. And he had, as we saw, chosen to travel through Samaria. It's important that we understand that in Galilee, Jesus made his base of operations. The major portion of his time was spent in Galilee, in the region of Galilee. And while there, even though he was from Nazareth, while there, Capernaum was the city that was kind of like the, his base of operations. And Jesus himself testified that no prophet hath, or a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Well, Jesus had been raised in Galilee, thus making Galilee and not Judea his own country. However, it is no problem if that statement was made with reference to Nazareth because Jesus made Capernaum his primary city, not Nazareth his hometown. We know that later on in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 57, in Mark chapter 6 and verse 4, Jesus would use the same expression in reference to what was clearly Nazareth. So I see no reason to think that it is different here. He left Judea, went through Samaria into Galilee, Nazareth to be specific, and he left there to go to Capernaum. The passage in Matthew chapter 4 verse 15 and 16 is a quotation from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, which tells us, Nevertheless, the dimness shall not as be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously affect her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light, they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Galilee of the nations, or Galilee of the Gentiles. That was the region primarily held by the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali. This area constituted the borderline with a number of heathen nations, idolatrous nations. Not only were there many Gentiles living in the vicinity of Galilee, 
Many lived in the region itself. It would appear that a less than favorable view most Jews held of Galilee, as evidenced by Nathaniel's statement in John 1 and the question of the Jews in John 7, was primarily a result of the mingling of the inhabitants with the Gentiles. But there was glory and honor to be had for this region. A light would shine among them. This occurred when Jesus fixed his residence in Capernaum. Yeah, you know, if anyone asks, well, why why are we going there? Uh, remember that uh, Jesus was not haphazard about his ministry. As was stated from Isaiah, this was specifically prophesied. And Luke 24, 44 says, it sums up his methods by saying, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms concerning me. So by, by, by going here and, and working, fulfilling this, he is showing himself to be all that the prophets foretold that he would be. Jesus, who we have seen, was filled with the Holy Spirit who had come upon him at his baptism, went to Galilee in fulfillment of the prophecy that Ross just mentioned. It was time, I think, time for him to manifest himself more fully. Capernaum was the base of his operations, and the people of Galilee were ready to receive him. They, too, had been in Jerusalem for the Feast of the Passover. Many of them had witnessed the miracles he performed in Judea. As Jesus went through Galilee teaching in the synagogues, he called upon the Jews to repent and believe his gospel, for the kingdom of heaven was at hand. As he labored, his fame spread throughout the region. I think there are four things about the miracle in John chapter 4, verses 46 through 54, that make it extremely notable. Number one, it opens this major portion of the Galilean ministry. Number two, it was the second miracle performed in the small village of Canaan. Number three, it was a cure performed at a distance from the one who was healed. And number four, it was performed for a nobleman, a distinguished officer of the king. Again, as we mentioned earlier, this situation is one that touches the heart of every parent. Disease and death enter into the home of every man. We can all identify with the anguish in his home over the critical illness of his son. Perhaps this man, Jesus, about whom he had heard, who had performed so many miracles in Jerusalem, maybe he could heal his son. Any one of us would have done anything we could have done to save our son from death. You know, um, this prophecy that was spoken of describes the work of Jesus as shining light in darkness. In verse 16 of Matthew 4, it says, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Just imagine for years, all you've, your whole experience has been sitting uh, in a great darkness. And then all of a sudden, you see this great light. What is what is going to be your reaction? You would think everybody should immediately stand at attention and, and immediately come to the light. 
to be drawn towards the light. Uh, who in their right mind would say, no, I prefer, I prefer sitting over here in darkness. But if you rejected Jesus, then that's, that's what you were choosing for yourself. I prefer, I prefer just uh, not seeing or knowing or understanding uh, what I'm doing over here. Jacob, you have anything you want to add? Uh, no, no, not so. Okay. Uh, the reply of Jesus, I think, deserves some consideration. Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. The reply, at first glance, seems almost to be out of character. Seems to indicate almost a certain degree of impatience on Jesus' part with this urgent appeal of this nobleman. I, I look at it and picture it in my mind. It's not at all difficult to envision that a multitude had gathered around. It's not difficult to envision that multitudes constantly followed Jesus. And now with the arrival of the nobleman and his urgent request, their excitement and their curiosity would have grown as they kind of anxiously awaited to see what was Jesus going to do? What was the reaction of Jesus going to be? There appears to be no weakness of faith on the part of the nobleman, but a good deal of weakness of faith on the part of the multitude. The people who had received Jesus in Galilee did so because they had witnessed the works Jesus had done in Jerusalem and anticipated them in Galilee. The statement of Jesus did not deter this distraught father. Sir, come down ere my child die. The desperation in the man's request can be clearly seen. What followed was a mighty test of this man's faith. And I think that's the point that is to be derived. Go your way. Your son lives. This man had come with the conviction that if he could but reach Jesus in time and persuade him to come to his home, his child could be saved. Now Jesus demanded even further faith on his part. He was being asked to believe that it was not necessary for Jesus to accompany him to his home, and Jesus could heal his son from a distance. That's a great deal of faith. We're told the man believed the word that Jesus spoke unto him and went his way. As he made his way back to Capernaum, he was met by his servants with the news that his son lived. He had gotten better at the exact hour that Jesus said he would. The man's faith was strengthened and his whole house believed. Okay, let's go on then looking over to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 16 through 30. Are either of you guys over there yet? Luke chapter yeah. 4, verses 16 through 40. All right. 30. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as, as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. 
Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, You will surely say this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he said, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except Zarephath in the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then, passing through the midst of them, he went his way. What, what a picture we see painted here and, and different emotions from the beginning of when we get to see the people interact with Jesus to certainly the end of what we just read. It's just amazing reading Jesus getting up. And first off, it was his custom to enter the synagogue, a practice that he handled and that he did. This was something, a consistent basis. And then to get the scroll of Isaiah and to read these, the words listed in 18 and 19, and then in 21 to say this scripture had been fulfilled in your hearing, the picture of what that must have been, and, not, and just the power of the words, that what Jesus come to do to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, recover sight to the blind, to free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord, the favorable year of the Lord. The excitement, certainly, that this would bring as well, that... Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He's here. It's just so awesome and really warrants their reaction in 22 of the people. Like, is this not Joseph's son? Uh, th- this is the one that's fulfilled th- this, this passage from Isaiah? Uh, it's just an amazing story. You know, some have wondered why Jesus went back to Nazareth to begin with. And, and you think about it. He could have labored exclusively in the large centers of commerce, and the large centers of population. Why go to such a small and insignificant place, even if it was his hometown? I believe the answer to that question lies in the text that he chose to read. The gospel, and again this is an important point, is not just for the rich. It is not just for the best educated. It is not only for those of most desirable reputation. It is for everybody. And the life of Jesus demonstrates that to be so. So in this little village of Nazareth, in its one synagogue where it had been Jesus' custom to go during his youth, he revealed himself to those individuals who were among whom he had grown up. 
all of the prophetic passages that Jesus could have chosen concerning himself. He chose one that presented the Messiah as a minister to the sick and afflicted, the Messiah as a teacher of the neglected, as a savior and comforter of the oppressed. With all of the eyes of the people in the synagogue fastened upon him, Jesus said, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Jesus was saying, He that is speaking to you is that promised one. You know, going to synagogue uh, where scripture was read and prayers were offered is kind of like going to church today. And it, I think there's a parallel that you could you could make here. And a question that could be asked, which would be, well, why did Jesus go to synagogue? Like, sometimes people excuse their own uh, lack of assembly uh, by saying, you know, I don't get anything out of church, or what, what? You know, I didn't, I didn't get anything out of it today. I'm just not encouraged by it. Why did Jesus go? Did he go just to see what he could get out of it, or did he go to to encourage people, to help and and edify, and and teach? And so he he was there, and he was handed the prophet Isaiah, which I think is another interesting point that he didn't uh, object to using the uh, copy of a copy of a copy he had faith that what he was handed was scripture this was translated from hebrew into greek and copied and and yet i think it's uh, important for us to to be able to have confidence in the in the scriptures that are in our hands just as jesus had confidence in the scriptures that he was handed and was able to read and and explain the reaction of the people is so very real. You can you can just imagine this happening, where the people said, "Wait a minute," and and I they didn't actually say, "Wait a minute." I just <laughs> added that. The point being is, is this not Joseph's son? In other words, we know this man. What makes him so different? Who who does he think he is? You can just imagine people reacting that way. When one comes back that they knew as he was growing up, that they knew his family, and now he's doing these things that he's doing. Well, Jesus knew their thoughts, and to this, to this growing current of anger and unrest, Jesus said, You will surely say unto me, This proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here. In thy country. In other words, if you claim to be the Messiah, then do messianic kind of things. Show us the mighty works that we've heard you did in Capernaum. Oh, Jesus, Jesus addressed their unbelief in a most forceful manner. He said, No prophet is accepted in his own country. Two Old Testament examples were used by Jesus. Elijah was sent by God to a Gentile home for shelter, sent to a widow because she had the faith to share even the last morsel of meal and oil with God's prophet. Elisha, with many Jewish lepers living and dying within his reach, helped Naaman the Syrian because Naaman had the faith to come and ask and to ultimately obey. The implication is that of the Messiah, rejected by his own people, but received and honored by the Gentiles. The blessings of God 
would be poured out on the Gentiles because the Jews rejected and scorned his chosen one. I think that's clearly the implication of Jesus' statement, and it's seen in the reaction of the people. They were filled with wrath. The normally quiet synagogue became a place of turmoil as they reacted almost as a mob. They removed Jesus from the synagogue. This is where he grew up. These are people that knew him. They removed him from the synagogue, herded him through the narrow streets of the little village, intent upon taking him to the brow of the hill on which their village was built and casting him to his death. But somehow, and I'm not certain exactly how, the Lord passed through their midst and departed. What a story. What a reaction to the returned home of their hometown boy. And they did not see it as as it truly was. Yeah, you know, uh, they described early on, his sermon was described in verse 22 as gracious words that proceed proceeded out of his mouth, and it caused them to marvel. I mean, Jesus was a powerful preacher. Uh, he preached scripture. Every, every word out of his mouth was sound and and yet uh, and yet he was a gracious preacher and that should have been something that drew people to him when they saw his love and compassion uh, his ministry was described as uh, good news a healing of brokenhearted a liberty to captives sight to the blind I mean this was how, how do you go from gracious, a gracious message like that to, I want to kill this guy. But uh, he, he, he showed them clearly uh, the rejection of his people. And this is what John started with, which was he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Well, that's going to wrap up this, this particular episode. We hope that you have enjoyed it. And again, we encourage you to contact us at www.nkcofc.com. We'd love to hear from you, and again, we thank you for listening.